0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Has anyone ever made a tapestry? We got one, two. Okay, okay, three. All right, all right, four. All right, a few of us. Um, So this is not something that maybe a ton of us are familiar with. So I want to go through briefly and just kind of describe and show you and explain a little bit of what a tapestry is. So a tapestry, uh, it could be something, I found the one on the right uh, on the Target website. So it's like you know, $17.99, you can go pick up a tapestry. The one on the left, I don't know, I just Googled, but it looks old, historical, well said, looks fancy right? But they're both, they both qualify as tapestries. And what's true about both of these, um, and, and really most tapestries, is that they use just a ton of different types of thread, right? So there's up here, I, I just found there's like rayon, silk, cotton, wool. That's actually gold thread. Some of them have like, I don't know how they do that, but they turn thread into, it's, I don't know, some sort of artistic magic, I don't really understand it, but there's all different kinds of threads used. And if you look at these, you can tell, even, even if it's not different types, they use different colors of thread at least, um, but a lot of these tapestries will use even different uh, materials to make and to design their tapestries. And these tapestries are incredibly, I mean, complicated to me, someone who's not like super artistic and has never made a tapestry, this looks like quite a process, right? Um, it, it, it's very complex, uh, how they put it together. But here's what is true. When, when a tapestry is being designed, the designer has a plan, right? This person who's putting this together isn't like, I don't know, throw a couple of them over here and just throw this one over here. We'll see what happens. Look at what they're designing. Here, here's a finished one. When they started this, they knew what they wanted to accomplish. They knew they wanted to use this chunkier thread and this part and this thinner stuff to hang down over here and those little ones and the yellow over here and the green on there. They, They had a plan. They saw the finished product in their mind. They made it on purpose. They took all the threads with all the different variety the different sizes, the different colors, the different textures, and with great intentionality, put this together. This is 20 times speed. I can't imagine how long a tapestry like this took to actually create. And then you see some of these other ones that we've been looking at that are much larger. I mean, how intricate, how planned out must they be to design something like this? They had to know their plan. They had to have the finished product in mind. Now, we've been talking about threads and tapestries. Do you guys feel like you have a better handle on what a tapestry is now? You kind of got to see one in hyperspeed be made, right? But we're not really talking about tapestries. You guys aren't here to learn about arts and crafts. Maybe a little bit. We do have a craft shop at free time. It's very fun. Um, But that's not why you're here. We're talking about you and me. All of the differences, the variety in humanity. And what we believe and what we're, what we're going to uncover and discover and, and learn about this week is that we have all been placed together, woven together, you might say, with intentionality. Right? We're not wool or silk or cotton or anything. We're, we're human beings. But we were made and we were put where we were put with much, much intentionality. Our first verse we want to look at tonight comes out of the book of Psalms, chapter 139. The guy who wrote it, his name was David. He said, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I love that it says knit because it's kind of like crafty. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully Made our, our big idea tonight. We got two. Our first big idea for tonight is that God made you the way you are on purpose. You don't have to raise your hands, but I am also a human being, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a well aware of this feeling. But how many of us have ever felt or thought like God made a mistake? I'm too this, I'm not enough that not smart enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm not strong enough. My eye color is wrong, my hair is not curly enough, my whatever it might be, right? We all have been through something like this. But what I'm here to tell you tonight is that God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He made you the way you are on purpose. We look at these tapestries We see the the different colors and the different textures. The variety in the way they are brings out a design. It shows a picture. If everything was exactly the same, it would just look like a blank nothing. (laughs) If everything was exactly the same, it would look like nothing. God is creative, and so he got creative when he made us, and he made us all to look and to be different. And I'm not just talking about our outward appearance. He made some of us funnier than others, some of us smarter than others, some of us more athletic than others. The list goes on, but none of it was a mistake. It's going to take a lot of faith to believe that. But I believe it. Counselors believe that. We would love, love if you could have the faith to believe that. The next verse I want to look at comes out of Genesis chapter 1. So, not only did God make us the way we are with much intention, it says he made us people, human beings, in his image. So, naturally, the question becomes. What does God look like? Not even the Simpsons were willing to take a stab at it. There's a lot of ideas about who God is, about what he's like. And and we could spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. But I follow this page on YouTube called The Bible Project. They make awesome videos. I highly recommend them. Um, And I think they did a pretty good job of explaining What God is like. Check it out.
1: So, if you lived in ancient Bible times, odds are you lived under the authority of a king.
2: And many of these kings claimed that they were gods, and they would even call themselves the image of God. Meaning they had authority to tell people what to do, order things Mm -hmm. to be made. Yeah, they got to define good and evil. And these kings would often make statues of themselves, which in Hebrew were called. Selim, often translated as idol or image.
1: But for Israel, they didn't view their kings as the God. In fact, they were never supposed to even make images
2: of God. That's exactly right. And that was really unique for that time and culture. This is rooted, first of all, in Israel's belief that you can't reduce the creator God down to any one thing in creation. But there's another reason. People aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself.
1: When did he do that?
2: Well, Let's go to page one of the Bible, and the first person we meet there is God. He's the one with authority over all creation. He speaks and creation obeys, and he defines what is good and not good. In other words, he alone is king. But then surprisingly, as the pinnacle of all of God's creative work, he makes humans, and he calls all of them the image of God so he gives all humans the authority to rule. Exactly, that's what he goes on to say. He tells the humans to subdue the earth and to rule it. And so this task that once belonged only to elite kings hmm. is here in the Bible, the task of every human being. This was a revolutionary statement in its day because all humans are being called to rule and to participate in the human project. So what does this mean? I mean, how are we all supposed to rule? So the picture we get in Genesis is gardening. Gardening? Yes. Gardening. So they rule the earth by cultivating it, by harnessing all of the earth's raw potential and then making something more and new out of it. So growing food for each other. Yes, but that also includes growing families then, which become neighborhoods. And then they create communities where people are going to work and take care of each other and build businesses and cities that will expand to new places and so on. So ruling is really the day-to-day acts of our work and creativity. Yes, we take the world somewhere. This is humanity's divine and sacred task. Yeah, and this all sounds really nice.
1: And humans have designed some pretty great things, but just as often we create things that cause a lot of suffering and a lot of injustice, so maybe
2: we shouldn't actually be ruling. Yeah, so the Bible addresses this. In Genesis, what happens is that God gives humans a choice about how they're going to rule. So are they going to use their authority for the benefit of others, which is God's definition of good, or are they going to turn away and define good and evil for themselves and use their authority for self-advantage? And in the story, they choose to define good and evil on their own terms. And so this is the Bible's depiction of the human condition. So sometimes we pull off amazingly good stuff, but just as often, despite our best intentions, we act selfishly and we create evil in the world. And so we're stuck as mediocre rulers making a mess of things. But that's not the end of the story. So the Bible goes on and it makes this claim that all of this was resolved when God bound himself to humanity through Jesus. And he showed us what it looks like to truly rule as a human. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus ruled by serving and by seeking the best for others, by putting himself underneath them and loving not just his friends, but also his enemies. And that's not a typical way to rule. And not only that, Jesus confronted the consequences of all of the evil and the death that we have created by our messed up ways of ruling. And he takes it. I mean, he lets it kill him. And so, when the New Testament writers looked back to Jesus' resurrection, they see a whole new future opening up for all humanity.
1: Jesus is a new way to be human.
2: Yeah, that's why they called Jesus the image of God, or the new human. And not only that, they also believe that Jesus' divine life and power is now available to heal and to transform us to become our life and power. And this sounds really nice, but what does it really look like? So... Practically, the apostle Paul said it looks like people being filled by Jesus' own presence and spirit filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and integrity and gentleness and self-control. He says, this is the new humanity that God wants to create in us so that we become people in whom God's image is being restored, people who will move the human project forward. And that's actually how the story of the Bible ends. It's a renewed world where God is on his throne and his servants are all around him, but they're the ones ruling over this new world, taking it into new, uncharted, Territory with Jesus as their healer and their guide.
0: So I don't know if you caught it there at the end. It talks about what practically what does it look like to be made in the image of God, to be an imagery of God. It is not to look like him, the way he, you know, his hair color or his whatever. It's about how we act. It's about looking like him in our behavior and our actions and the way we are with one another. The past, passage they mentions is out of the book of Galatians. It says um, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, produces this kind of fruit, this evidence in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So our second big idea tonight is that God designed you to reflect his love Of humanity. When when God made the first people, he made them on purpose. And he's made every one of us on purpose since then. And when God made them, you guys saw them in the video. They said to rule over the earth. to, To bring the good out of the earth. And something went sideways. And in that video, they talked about that. And war, and disease, and all these terrible things that have happened, but that was never God's desire, never his intention. And so, even though that has been broken around us, and we feel it, and sometimes, if we're honest, we bring about those things as well. I'm not always kind. I'm not always loving. I don't always have self-control. Sometimes, I decide how I want to do things. But what I believe is that God designed us, each one of us, to reflect his love. And so when we hand that control back over to God and we say, hey, okay, you're in charge. You get to decide. Then we are living out the purpose that he designed us for. There's a a famous um, saying in the Christian faith that God made you on purpose for a purpose. I really hope this week we can, we can lean into that. We, we, can, we can live and act and believe that that is true. We're not just out here trying to figure things out. No, no purpose in life. Everything is, is coincidence and by chance. No. You were uniquely and intentionally designed by a God who loves you and has a plan for your life. And none of it is a mistake. Nothing about you is a mistake in the way that he designed you. But will you look to him and say, God, I believe. I believe that you made me on purpose. I believe you made me for a purpose. And this tapestry that we are a part of, if we allow God to weave us into it, is so much bigger than these each individual pieces of each one of us. He is telling a story through humanity and we can be a part of it. It's bigger than us. Yes, he does love each and every one of us, just like that woman was very carefully and intentionally weaving that tapestry together. No piece was put on there flippantly or carelessly, but each piece together makes the picture. God is telling a story. Do we believe that he's good, that he loves us? Do we want to be a part of it? That's the question. We're going to ask tonight and this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for your love for us. We thank you um, for the way you made us. God, I know it's it's easy to um, think poorly of ourselves or um, to compare ourselves to others, but God, I pray for myself and for my friends in this room. We would have the faith to believe what your word says that you made us with intentionality. We're fearfully, wonderfully made by you. Not a mistake. I pray you would uh, reduce that, whatever it is within us that makes us look at other people and and compare us to them, knowing that that you made everybody unique. And and all of us are going to have our special place in your tapestry. Have our own story to live and to tell and to trust you through the highs and the lows of it, knowing that that you're telling an even greater story with with all people and that we get to be a part of it. God, I want to pray health, safety over the campers and the staff as are here this week. I want to pray, Lord, that we would feel, each one of us, your loving presence around us and within us as we're here this week. We thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your love for us. We love you too. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at
2: rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.